And, uh, and I want to just, just take off any pressure people might feel today, because it's one area where people feel uh, awkward at times, and they think, oh, if, if only I was a better giver, if only I felt better towards this. Let me, let me say that, that all of us have been there, all of us struggle with that, and actually the, the solution to that isn't to, to whip up and to think, I'm going to do better, it's actually to come close to Jesus, and to get, get close to him, because that's what he wants for us. And everything else then flows from that. And uh, that's, why we, 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 that's why we value worship so highly. Because it enables us to get close to the one who loves us. <coughs> get close to the one who delights in us. Get close to the one who says, it's okay. You're doing alright. I love you. And, uh, and actually, yeah, okay, there might be some areas that need improvement. That's right, look, I'll, I'll sort that out in my presence. I'll sort that out as I let your, my spirit come upon you. And so that's what we, that's what we value, that's what we treasure here. So that's really the sort of the starting point of this morning. God wants us to be a, a people full of joy and freedom and hope. And that is across every aspect of our lives. Okay. Now, the title of what I'm going to say today is this. Uh, and uh, Rochelle, uh, a few weeks back, introduced some of these statements, some of these declarations. And uh, this is something that we felt that we, we, we wanted to say about us as a church. Okay. Um, and so that is one of what we want to say, one of the declarations that we believe, which is that we are a generous and prosperous church. And uh, uh, now, I don't know how well you think you can say that, because of course, if you, if you say we are a prosperous and generous church, or a generous and prosperous church, um, you can sort of do that abstractly thinking, okay, the church in general is like that. I, I don't have to be like that. Uh, but the church is. Uh, but actually, that's, that's not the case. Because actually, the church isn't, obviously, as we know, isn't the, the building. If you go up to this building and ask it, are you prosperous and generous? You probably won't get a brilliant response. Actually, the building's all right, yeah, but it doesn't particularly prosper. Uh, the building's generous, well, it houses us. Uh, but of course, it's not what it's about. It's about the people. And the only way we can be a prosperous and generous church is that if each person in the church is prosperous and generous, is generous and prosperous. And, uh, and so can you, you might be able to say, yeah, we are a prosperous and generous church, or a generous, prosperous church, but can you say, I I'm a generous and prosperous person. Because if you can't say that, then actually we can't say this. Because it's all about how we view ourselves and how we, um, you know, and if we believe that I am generous and if we believe that I am prosperous, then that's what the church will be. So it's a very personal thing. And as I say, as I said at the start, actually that doesn't come from whipping ourselves up. It comes from our relationship with Jesus and understanding who he is and what he has done. So I want to talk about that a bit today. Now the Bible has a lot to say about prosperity and being prosperous. In Psalm 1, it talks about the man who delights in God will prosper. It's, it's a very s- simple statement. In all he does, he prospers. That's the person who delights in God, who delights in his word. Uh, and it's not, there's no ambiguity there, it's not, it's not unclear... If you delight in God, you're going to prosper. That's God's promise. And uh, now, you might say, well, okay, I, I don't have much money. I'm not prospering. Now, prospering is much more than financial. 
It's, it's part of who we are as people. It's, it's a prosperous soul, the Bible often talks about. It's a soul that is so delighting in God, so happy in God, that they just feel joy and happiness. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, therefore, you know, we all need to be poor. Because actually, that's, the Bible doesn't say that either. Because actually, prospering is also, it, it talks about the whole part of our lives. It doesn't necessarily mean we'll all become millionaires, but it does mean that actually that we will have enough. We will have what we need. We will have enough to live, because that's God's promise to us. And so a prosperous soul, a prosperous life, is one that is characteristic, is one that child of God has, that's what Jesus has won for us, that's who we are. Uh, and so it's not for the special ones, it's not for the, the individuals that have got particular uh, jobs or whatever. The prosperous soul is everyone who is a child of God. Now I want to talk today uh, about a particular uh, a person in the Bible um, uh, and a church that was very prosperous, but not materially. It was a prosperous church in the way they, their outlook, their understanding of Jesus and everything. But actually, financially, they were fairly poor. In fact, the Bible says they were extremely poor. But they were still nevertheless prosperous. And this is in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm just going to read that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 5. Brilliant. Thank you, Josh. Okay. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did this not to do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. So, Paul here is talking about a church, from, or a group of churches in Macedonia. And what he says about them is that they were extremely poor. Now we don't know much about their circumstances. What we do know is they didn't have many rich people amongst them. They were extremely poor. They were going through trials. Again, we're not entirely sure what nature of that trial was, some sort of persecution. Um, and yet, they were extremely generous. Uh, and they were clearly prospering. The, the, uh, Paul says they were full of joy. They're, in, they're, po- they're poor, they're facing trials, and yet they're full of joy. Now, I find this passage quite, quite amusing, really, because Paul then says, when we went to them, we didn't find what we were expecting. Now, that says to me that Paul's faith for the Macedonians wasn't as strong as perhaps it should have been. So even Paul struggled with this. I don't know what he was expecting. Maybe he was expecting uh, a church that was just about coping, was struggling, that were wanting to help Paul, but, you know, we don't really have much Paul, but, you know, we feel we want to support you. So, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. But when he got there, he was surprised. Because this was a church that had, and I don't know why he should be surprised, because this is what Paul talks about all the time. He found a church that had grasped but actually their relationship with Jesus was everything. They had found a church that actually they gave themselves to God. They had a relationship which 
overcame everything else around them. They loved Jesus. They had understood the gospel. They had embraced the gospel to the extent that they were just full of joy. They had met someone who loved them, who cared for them, who saved them, who set them free, who, who gave them the Spirit of God, and they just loved him. And they, they, they just loved Jesus. They just loved God. And, and they were just full of it. And so when Paul came to this very poor church under trial, he was met with joy. Amen. And, and it's, I find that such a challenge. This was a church who grasped their salvation, who really understood what it was to be saved, who knew what it was to worship and meet with God. And, uh, and, 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 it, and it just affected every part of their life. And it just overflowed with generosity. That was just a response. It wasn't a command from Paul. Paul didn't go and say, well, what you need to do, now you're saved, you need to give. Paul's, it was a response to the goodness and the grace of God that had been poured upon their lives. And their response was, oh, great, God, oh, God's so wonderful. Oh, Paul, you're doing something great, we want to help. Paul, we see what you're doing. What we've received, we want you to take elsewhere. And, and so we, we, want you, we want you to have this money because we think your gospel message uh, is so good we want others to hear it. And, and, and so they pleaded with Paul and said, let, 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 us, let, let us help you. Let us work with you. Let us partner with you. So we, we want to give you some money. And Paul was just overwhelmed by what he saw in this church. Um, now, we've no idea the amount. Do you know what? It doesn't matter. It has, Jesus and God are interested in the amount. They were, Jesus is just so pleased that they were had a generous heart. And they were very generous in relation to what they had. That's what Paul says. They had uh, uh, rich generosity. And it came from this relationship. that They gave themselves first of all to God and then to us. And so giving and generosity is all about my relationship with Jesus. And what I know about him and what I understand about him and how he loves me and how he wants my joy and my freedom. You see, the problem with money is that it can... You know, those with money, who've got money, it can give you some sort of security. It can provide a house for you. It can provide, you know, a, a nice life. But it comes with a huge cost. And that cost is fear. Because if you depend upon money, there's always that fear, what, what if there's not enough? What, what if it runs out? What if I lose my job? What if... What, if, what do I have to pay for this? What if, what if my, my roof falls in? What, what, what? Have I got enough? I need to count it again. And so suddenly, although we might have money, it grips us with fear. And we think, oh, you know, oh, I, can't, I can't do this because I won't have enough. And, and so money is a terrible, terrible master. Because it might seem on the outside as what we need to give us a great life, but it grips us with fear. And for the child of God... Jesus doesn't want that. He doesn't want you, us, whoops, gripped with fear. He wants freedom. He came to liberate, to set us free, to declare the year of the Lord's favour. And he does that by saying, money's not your master, I'm your master. Amen. Amen. I'm the one that's going to provide for you. I'm the one that looks after you. You don't have to worry about that anymore. 
And, and money will be a terrible master, but Jesus is the most wonderful master ever. And that's what the Macedonians have grasped. He's, he's the one that looks after us. Yeah, we're facing a truck. He'll sort it out. He'll, he'll find a way through. He's, he's given everything for us. He's died on the cross. He left heaven. He, he is the most amazing person. You, you think he would do that and not provide for us? Surely providing for us is small compared to giving his life for me. And they had grasped that. They had understood who Jesus was. They understood their salvation. That this wasn't limited. It was complete across the whole of their lives. And my God will supply all my needs. They knew that. They knew that. And therefore giving wasn't a problem. Because, well, if we give, God's going to provide for us. So so why not? And actually, if we give to this, more people are going to get this. More people are going to hear the gospel. More people are going to be saved. More people are going to be coming in to this wonderful salvation that we've received. Wow, I can be a part of that. I might not be able to go. I might be able to preach. But you know what? I can support this. And I can have a stake in their salvation. And that's what they thought. That's what they thought. And that's what they had. It's wonderful truth about grasping who we are and what God has done for us. You see, God does promise wonderful things for us. There's so many verses that talk about finances. And the reason that it's talked about quite a lot in the Bible is, is purely for this, is to release us from this fear that actually finance, finance and money is my provider and my helper. Because it, it's just a terrible thing. And so God has allowed many, many verses to be written about actually, actually it's not true. I'm your provider. I'm the one that promises that. And I am able to do far more than money could ever do. So if we just look at some of these, some of these verses. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 8 says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give whatever he has decided his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Actually, generosity here is saying, actually, generosity releases something in heaven. And God loves... Because once, once we get our hearts released in generosity, so God is uh, sort of responds, if you like, and releases more stuff to us so that we may abound in the future. It's one of them. Luke 6, verse 38 says this. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this is what Jesus said. He, this is his word. This isn't something we made up. He spoke this so that people would be free from, oh, if I give, I won't have enough. No, no. Jesus is a wonderful, generous God. And he delights when he sees in our hearts a response to him that is generous. And he sees a free heart. He says, oh, I can trust you with riches. I can trust you with these things. I can trust you because your heart's mine. And actually, you're free. In Malachi 3, verse 10, is an Old Testament, but again, follows very clearly. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. 
Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You see, God doesn't need our money. doesn't need it. You know, the Bible says he owns the wealth on a thousand hills. It's all his. We're not giving because God is somehow thinking, oh, I'm a bit, a bit short this month. That's not, not how he thinks. He's not, is it? But he wants our hearts free. That's what he's interested in. And actually, the way he has set up these things is that we then, as we give, partner in the gospel. So that we support people and we support churches and we, we go and we allow the gospel to spread as, as we did. And that's how God has set it up. Um, and that's how he wants it because he doesn't want us to be gripped by fear. He wants us to really... And so he says, okay, well that's what we're going to do. Uh, you can do it some other way, but actually he wants our hearts free. And so that's the way he has designed the way we are to live. With generous people who have met a generous God and who trust him wholly. So, one of the things that gripped me as a teenager uh, was the church. Uh, now, I grew up in a church which is a lovely church, um, Bible-believing, preached the gospel. Uh, but I know, so I've, t- I've talked about this before, um, uh, to be honest, the church was fairly dry. wasn't particularly dynamic, wasn't particularly spirit-filled. Uh, I loved it, but um, it, it was a little bit legalistic. You know, you had to be at the prayer meeting, you had to be this, the, the best Christians got to church on time, all this sort of stuff. Still true today, of course. Anyway, no, that's not um, so there was a real sense of, and, and it wasn't particularly dynamic, it wasn't particularly joyful. And yet in the midst of that, God got hold of me and gave me a picture of what the church was really like. This was his body on earth. This was his expression. This was his method of bringing the kingdom, of seeing God's kingdom come. And I fell in love with the church. I fell in love with what God had uh, set up. Because it was what he was, you know, and, and, and we have in Revelation the wonderful picture, the beautiful picture of the beautiful bride. And this is what the church is. And you look around, it doesn't seem like that sometimes. But actually, this is, this is it. And, and actually, it is the means of seeing God's kingdom come. We want his kingdom being expressed in this place and in this community. And he uses the kingdom to do it. And so I, I had this wonderful joy. And therefore, when I came to my giving, giving to the church was never a problem for us and for, for me and Katrina, because we had this picture of what the church was. And therefore we wanted to partner with God in that. Um, and so we, we had no issues with that. And so we, we have, from, from the word go, uh, we, started, uh, uh, we started with a tenth, um, because we believe that's, that's what uh, God wanted us to do, a tenth of our income. And as God blessed us, uh, so we were able to increase that. And I think we were captured with a picture of the church and what we, what we wanted it to be. But it happened first of all, is God won us. 
God won us. It wasn't a case of someone stood up and said, you need to give to this church. We came, we came before God and he won our hearts about his purpose and who he was. Amen. And from that, we thought, oh great, well this, this is what he's doing. And we're going to give to that. And, and so it's never been a, an issue for us in, in that. Now, having said that, we, we still face challenges in giving. And uh, I don't, don't, don't think that, that we don't you know, have to you know, check our motives and our hearts sometimes and make sure that we're not relying on, on our money because it's a, it's a deceitful thing and it can tie up. So don't, don't think that we've got this all wrapped up because we, we haven't. We're, we're still learning and we're still ensuring or trying to ensure that we are uh, working these things out rightly. Um, but we were we were given this this picture, and and and, uh, and I was read, read this um, this quote uh, from. Uh, I find it now. Yes, oh, I can't find it. Milton Jones, that's it. Who knows Milton Jones? He's a he's a comedian. He's a Christian. Um, and, uh, and I love this quote that I read from him. And he said this, he says, Going to church should be like walking to the edge of the Grand Canyon and saying, ah. Oh. Yeah? Can you picture that? I don't know if anybody's been to the Grand Canyon, I haven't. But uh, you see pictures of it, and it's just this one, you walk to the edge of it, and it's just this glorious, huge, amazing expanse. And that's what the church was designed to be. Something that, that you walk up to and think, wow, that's amazing. Now, to be honest, I'm biased here, but I think at times, this is what this church is like. I think this morning's worship was just wonderful, where you in the presence of God, and you just think, wow, that's wonderful. And you know what? I want to give to that. I want to see that increase and, and grow and flourish because this is a wonderful thing that God wants us to be. And actually, as people come into that, and as we go, people more and more will experience the wonder and the grace and the goodness of God. And that's that I want. I don't want to build a church for the sake of it. I don't want to be part of a church that, you know, oh, we can, we've got 500 people in our church. Oh, it's wonderful. You know, oh, we've got 1,000. Oh, we need to get 1,000. I've never been interested in churches like that. No problem with big churches. The church I want to be part of is the church that says... I went in there and I said, wow, God's here. And you know what? Whether there's five people or 5,000 people, it doesn't matter. I want to experience the presence of God. I want to, I want to go, wow. And you know what? That's what really matters. Because where God is, that's where freedom comes, that's where salvation comes, that's where hope comes, and that's the church I want to be part of. And I will personally give to that. Because God has won my heart. And, I, and I, I just want to encourage you that actually if that's your place and you think actually this is, this is where you know, I, I, I can relate to that. Then actually a response from that is to say yeah I'm going to give. And I know many of you give wonderfully and, and generously. But actually that's a, a, a right response to what God is doing here. But just before I finish, I want to just go back to some of those verses. Because one of the problems we have is that we may think, yeah, I, I feel that about the church. I want to give, but just, I, just, you just don't know. Tim, you don't know my finances. 
I just, I just haven't got anything spare at all. Now the Bible wants to address that, not to condemn us, because we all feel that at times, but to bring us back to the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That he promises that if he's given us his son, surely he will give us all things. And he wants us to be so confident in him that finances are no longer a problem. Because it's that I haven't got enough and that if I give I'm going to lack is a lie that Satan puts on us. And, and he wants us to break that line and change our minds to think, actually, no, God's promises are far greater. If we give, he will bless us abundantly. He will overflow into our lap. Now, one of the things that we want to try and do in the next weeks and months, as James mentioned, is to make very specific declarations that change our mindset about our giving. So that we can understand, actually, God does, you know... What, what, what we don't want to do is a to say that God is a slot machine. I just want to be clear on this. We don't believe that actually if you give, God's going to give you ten times back. Okay, He might do. But that's not the motive for giving. It's not we, the, the so-called prosperity gospel where, uh, where uh, you know, to, to show the blessing of God on you, you have to have the biggest car and the nicest suit and the, and the biggest house. We're not into that. That's not what we believe the Bible says. We do believe God blesses financially. We do believe that. A a, a Christian with some money is not bad. Okay? uh, I want want to be clear on this. If if you've somehow got some spare cash at the end of the month, there's something wrong with you. Actually, that's... (laughs) You know, God, that's not true. Um, So, but actually we do... uh, we do believe God blesses financially. Now, prospering, as I've said earlier, isn't just about financial blessing. But actually, what God wants you to know is that as you give, you will not lack financially. That's the promise. You will not lack financially. So this is a, a statement. Are you going to bring the, the last slide up, Josh? Okay, so this is a, a, a declaration that we're going to be using, so we're going to use a number to go through in... Actually, get my when we talk about the offering. Because this is the way God responds. Now this, is, this isn't the verse, but it is a, an understanding of what those verses actually mean in practice. Now to be honest, when I first did this, I, I, I a little bit struggled. I was like, oh, I don't really like to spend this. And then when I studied this a bit, I realised that uh, nine of those twelve things God has done for me. So I thought, well, I can't really, I can't really not declare it because God's done this for me personally. So, so as we as we give an offering, we are believing again. This is for us. Uh, for jobs and better jobs, increasing income and finance, raises and bonuses, more customers and business, inheritance or interest and tax returns, inheritance and assets, great accommodation and provision, checks in the mail. Post, by the way, that's American. But anyway, that's fine. <laughs> Gifts and surprises. Uh, debts paid off. Expenses decreased. Blessings and increase. Now, we're not saying, again, we mustn't get, we're not saying that as soon as you give, this is all going to happen. But my experience is that as we have been faithful and as we've understood who God is, He does this. I'm going to give just a few examples. 
Uh, some of you have heard before. As I said before, we, we always felt that our starting point for giving was, was 10% of our income. And, and we did that from the word go, we got married. And then uh, Katrina, uh, we, we wanted to start a family. So Katrina had to give up work for that. We didn't have enough money. Um, and so it was under, we were under pressure. But we thought, no, we trust God. So we didn't reduce our giving. We thought that's, that's a must. And so Katrina gave up work. And we had a few savings at that point. And gradually the savings went down. And we got to the month where we were going to run out. And it was at that point I got promoted. So I got a new job, a better job, and increase in income to cover our expenses. Now, I, that's not a coincidence. That isn't. That was God. <laughs> he could have given me a promotion a bit earlier, but he decided not to. He, he just said, okay, you trusted me, I'm going to, you know. So, do you know, we didn't worry. We just knew God was going to provide something because we felt we were doing what God had called us to do. When we got married, uh, we, we wanted to, to, to buy a house. Uh, we got a check to cover the deposit. Wasn't expecting it, just came. So we were able to, uh, to provide, uh, or to, to, to buy our first house. Um, when we were, we had uh, three children in a fairly small house in Riverdale Road, lovely house, but was really too small for us. Uh, we had, at that time, we had got negative equity on the house, so we, we owed more on the house than, uh, than, than we were, than our mortgage, so, that, so we were, whatever it was, so the house was worth less than what we owed. So we were in a really difficult situation, but we just knew God would provide. And uh, we came across the house we're now living in um, that was only slightly more than the house we were going to sell. And it was really strange because it's a, it's a much, much bigger house, much better house. Needed a bit of work done on it. And we thought, why is this so cheap? And we thought, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to ask that question. I'm just going to go and buy it. And we were able to negotiate. Um, <laughs> We realised that it had been put on with an estate agent in Bexley Heath. There was, it wasn't advertised here at all. And the estate agent in Bexley had no idea of the value of the houses in Plumstead at the time. I mean, who, who would have thought that? Now, it was, it was significantly undervalued, but no one seemed to question it, and so we were able to buy it. Now, that, that's, just, that's just God. And, and uh, you know, and we, we, we've, we've loved that. It's been a great house for us, and we've really enjoyed you know. And it's just, but it's, it's, a, it's always an example of the favour of God on us as we, as we live in it. Because, because we wouldn't, there's no way we could have afforded it uh, at the time. And, uh, and uh, I've received tax returns that I wasn't expecting, uh, that were much bigger than, than, uh, than what well, I was expecting them back, so we've got those. Um, and I'm going to read out this from... Uh, Grace has just put this on my chair today, which is one of the things, uh, which is wonderful. She said, uh, don't mind Marine Sandia, Grace. <laughs> uh, the council recently agreed to pay towards my housing cost. During a conversation, they asked why I hadn't applied before. I told them that I was, I was told that I did not qualify by another council official. There and then, the official I was talking to wrote a letter explaining that what had happened for, uh, for me, and last week I received a backdated payment of six months. Now, 
That's what God does. That's, that's, he just does it all the time. We've had many, many examples. Because he can. Because he owns this money. And he will bless us. What he wants from us is to be free from fear of finances and believing we don't have enough. And he just encourages us to be generous. And as we are generous, as we release ourselves from this fear, as we say, God, I trust you, so it opens the floodgates of heaven. It does open the floodgates of heaven. Because God never writes anything in the Bible that he doesn't mean. He he means that. When he says, I will open the floodgates of heaven, that's exactly what he means. And when he says, a good measure pressed down will be overflowing into your lap, that's what he means. He doesn't mean that. We can try and explain it away, but you can't. That's what he, he didn't write it by accident. He is a generous God, but he's after hearts that are free. Hearts that aren't bound up. And that's the whole uh, motive behind him. He wants us not to be ruled by money, but ruled by him, who is the great and generous provider. So I want us to, just to, uh, when we come to declare these things with the others, just to be bold and, and actually, and to, you know, to let God's truth sink into your heart. These might be challenging things for us, and we, we might struggle with some of these declarations. But don't beat yourself up. Don't think, oh, I'm, I'm wrong, I, no, I'm not as generous as I should be. The response is, I need to get closer to God. I need to understand who he is. I need to understand my salvation. I need to understand what the lover of my soul, what he's really like. And then go back. And once we've got that, suddenly joy and generosity just flows out of us. And we will be prosperous, like the Macedonian church. We may not never become rich. Some of us will, some of us won't. But that's not the point. The point is we will have enough. We'll have enough to share with the work of God here and elsewhere. And we will just know the prospering of our souls because we have such a generous, loving Father who will always care for us and always look after his people. So can we just stand together? I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Father, I thank you. And I just want to pray right now for anybody here that has struggled with finances and, Lord, are even now struggling with finances. And God, I just want to pray now, God, that through your Holy Spirit, come, Lord, and just draw close to them. Lord, draw close to each one of us. Let us know your great love. Let us know, Holy Spirit, just reveal the grace and the love of Jesus. Take away guilt. Take away fear. And let, Lord, I pray, let your love flow and flood this place. And let the joy of heaven come, Lord Jesus. And Lord, let us just now, Lord, believe that you're the great provider. You're the generous one. You're the lover of our souls. It will provide everything that we need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let fear go, Lord. Let fear go. Let joy come. Let hope come, Lord Jesus. Yeah, we want to be uh, that church, Lord, a generous and prosperous church, Lord, in our souls, in our finances, in every part, God, because that's your will for us. That's who we are. That's who we are as children of God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Father, that's right. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's just declare this then.
So we've, we've, we've received the offering, but that's fine, that was a few, few moments ago. But we're going to just declare this as we, uh, as we finish. Okay, so as we receive today's offering, we are believing God our Father for jobs and better jobs, increasing income and finance, raises and bonuses, more customers and business, interest and tax returns, inheritances and assets, great accommodation and provisions, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, debts paid off, expenses decreased, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my cancer needs, that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Hallelujah.